Hey everybody, there are a ton of ways that you can follow us online. We've got our website, realnerdspodcast.com, that you can go to and you can read articles and find the podcast episodes there as well. If you like social media, you can follow us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or on Twitter and Instagram at Real Nerds. You can also call us anytime and leave a voicemail at 720-6-NERDS-5 and then we'll play your voicemail on the show. Thanks for listening. I hope you like us. This is Real Nerds Podcast, and for 10 years, we have seen a new movie and podcasted our experience to the world. This week, it was Last Night in Soho. Stay tuned towards the end of the episode where we will recommend Last Night in Soho or not, play the trailer, and then spoil the film. We also talk about movies we've been watching, movie news, movies that you can purchase on physical media. We love movies. Yes, we do. We love movies. How about you? Um, yeah. Now let's once more with feeling, guys. We got to get ready for the <laughs> cheer team rally later this week. Something, something, Jock, something, something. <laughs> this week, I am joined by longtime friend Brad. What up? We go back over 20 years, Brad. That is uh, a long time. Yes. And longtime friend Zach. I'm not your longtime friend. I'm your short-term friend. <laughs> no, is it eight years now? Um, 2013. Yeah, eight years. Oh, wow. Okay, never mind. Yeah, we are longtime friends. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what? You know what my indicator is, Ryan. If we're chatting with each other via text every every week, like two to three times a week, going like, "Did you see this great Gary Cary Grant picture? Or did you see this Randolph <laughs> Scott thing?" Then I'm like, "Yeah, we we're friends, <laughs> longtime friends." Yeah. Um... But, but, uh, you know, I usually at this time in the summer, I go around town with Brad, but I don't give a fuck about Brad this week um, because I, going I around I town. With, about, I don't give a fuck about Brad any time of the day. So, damn. Um, <laughs> but I have, I have a couple things. One, uh, stay tuned at the beginning of the year. So we, we always the last episode we do for the year or I guess kind of the first episode we do for the year is a recap of our favorite films. Uh, the year we call Film Explosion 2021. Mm-hmm. And then uh, stay tuned because Real Nerds is going to still be here, but I'm going to relaunch it in a new format uh, mm-hmm. podcast. So it's going to still be a podcast, obviously, but I'm going to change uh, the format because we've been doing it for 10 years. So I'm going to freshen it up. You know, it's like marriage. I've been married for 10 years. It's time to kick the old lady to the curb, get a is new model. A- is this a reboot situation where we're going to reboot reboot it for positive reasons, but old time fans are going to get super pissed that they changed that we changed everything for something um, inclusive and progressive, and then they start kicking the shit out of us on Reddit? Oh man, I so, would love to see those tweets. Yeah. <laughs> this new real no. nerds format is a, is a disgrace. That'd be awesome. I love hate mail. It's my it's favorite. Too, this kind format's of mail. too woke. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as we get closer, Jack used will... to Zach used to love Jack Benny, and now he likes Fred Allen. I don't fucking understand this world anymore. As we get closer to uh, relaunching it, I will um, 
drop more of what we're going to do. Um, but yeah, stay tuned for that. Um, reviewing the, also, reviewing the movie ahead, at the beginning of the episode, that's way too radical. Yeah, <laughs> way too. You won't even know it's going to blow your freaking mind, brah. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing a quiz show every week now, guys. <laughs> but uh, we were fortunate enough to get invited to Fan Expo uh, this year again, kind of last minute. And um, yeah, thank you to Bruce for uh, yeah, setting that up for setting us. That, up. that was nice. Uh, I was only able to do one day because it happened so fast that it was hard for me to get off work. And my one day was really fun. I was supposed to do three panels. And the first one I wasn't worried about because it was a longtime friend of podcast, Brian Cummings, voice actor extraordinaire. And uh, so I wasn't worried about that one. In fact, uh, we started walking down and he says, oh, no, I forgot my scripts. And I said, "Okay, well, I'll run and get them. So I got my workout in because I ran up and down stairs. And when I got back to the panel room, it was about a minute after the panel was supposed to start. And he already introduced everything and was talking. I didn't say a single word that whole panel. Yeah. (laughs) It was great. Mm -hmm. And then they scheduled um, my two panel, other two panels at the same time. And one was uh, indie film. And another was the voice actor for uh, Master Chief. And I asked Bruce which one he'd rather have me do. You know, the independent film had about six people on the panel. So he said, oh, you do the Master Chief one. So I said, okay. So I went down there. And while I was there, uh, the guy who plays Master Chief, super nice guy, by the way, named Steve Downs. Um, I was behind the stage in like the green room area. And he came in with somebody else. And I said, hey, they asked me to do this panel. Do you already have a moderator? And Mr. Downs said, I do. And so I talked to this other guy that flew in from Dallas to do to moderate panels for Fan Expo. So I only had to do one panel. And on that panel, I didn't say a single word. And I sat down with an interview with comic book men's Ming Chen. Um which yeah. you can find now on realnerdspodcast.com, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not going to brag, but it is a really good interview. Um, it is. I was there. <laughs> Brad was there. Um, uh, yeah. Huge shout out to Ming Chen for uh, just approaching our booth and asking us to do that. Because like I said, we just went there expecting to moderate some panels and just uh, sit in a booth for three days and uh, did not expect <laughs> to get interviews from anybody. And it was really cool of him to reach out, out to us and make that happen. Yeah. And he, you know, he was cool because talking to him beforehand, he says, yeah, man, it's all about content. I'll give you content. It's cool. And in a way we gave him content too. So yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And I did a, I ordered a commissioned artwork from Chad Harden, who is the uh, artist for Harley, Harley Quinn. It's what he's really known for. I think he's about five years on Harley. And I picked uh, Cetrion from Mortal Kombat. And which is really, the only reason I'm bringing this up is I, because I'm not rich. I don't know if you guys know this. I, uh, <laughs> I live a humble life. You promised me a diamond ring, damn it. <laughs> I know. But it doesn't shine. Um <laughs> So I did a black and white 
like full body sketch and uh throughout the show because i was only there for one day and uh so i checked with him once yeah i'll try to get it done and then at the end of the show i said well uh i talked to him says well if you're not done it's cool i'll just have brad pick it up tomorrow so at the end of the day i brad came with me over there so i because i was going to introduce him if it didn't get done and he had it done and he did a full color cetrion and he said that she was such a cool character that he wanted to make it cool so um i got a really sweet picture in fact it's so cool my wife thinks it's beautiful so very win nice. for me yeah i had a yeah. good time zach how was your experience at fan expo mine was um interesting so um full disclosure um uh, one of our listeners on the show malia is part of the reason i was able to attend the days that i did so very much thank you very much malia um i got there on friday night uh, or friday afternoon and um honestly if if i'm being completely honest with everybody here um everything was kind of in a daze for me because october's been a heavy month so my brain wasn't processing every single thing that was happening even though everything that was happening was incredibly cool um so i moderated three panels um the two of them on friday night um and they were with people that were friends of brian's so that was really good icebreaker um to to get to know them um brian I mean, Brian, you know you, how Brian and I interact. If we we'll we'll mention one golden age celebrity and we'll just go on. He'll tell me stories for hours. Um, in fact, he told me a bunch over the weekend. Um, but uh, so we got to their panel and the first one was the process of animation. Um, and on the panel was Greg Guler, who's a character designer for Phineas and Ferb, amongst other Disney uh, 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 shows and other cartoons. Oh, yeah. And but, H- sorry. I have a funny story about him. So he, they were in the booth next to us. Really nice guys. Yeah. And for $50, Greg Guller will sketch you a character. Mm-hmm. So I said, hey, because he worked on Darkwing Duck. and He did, yeah. So I, I'm sure a lot of people ask him for Darkwing. And so I said, hey, uh, do you have a sketch spot open? He says, yeah, what do you want? And I said, I want Quacker Jack from Darkwing Duck. And remember, he worked on the show. <laughs> he told me who. <laughs> so I had to bring up a picture. And my Quacker Jack is really cool. Um, mm. So he couldn't remember who Quacker Jack was. <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny, like in talking with them, like they've worked on so many shows. Um, oh, yeah. No, I that, don't blame him. It's just yeah, I just thought it was funny. Yeah, I will tell you, though. So the other guy we had on was Adrian Ropp, who was a storyboard artist for Disney and is now the head of story over at Warner brothers. And he's been working on the Harry, one of the Harry Potter video games. And um, he did work on the Velveteen rabbit on Netflix. And uh, Adrian is uh, one of the sweetest people I've ever met in my life as is Greg and their, their panel, much like yours, Ryan, Brad, uh, Brian started talking (laughs) and uh, was doing the introduction to it. And then after he stopped talking, I waited for two beats and I said, so that was Brian Cummings, voice artist extraordinaire. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then I introduced the entire panel and then we went through it and the first panel wrapped up on time. The second panel, um, which on the first panel, by the way, uh, I don't want to drone on too long. I swear guys, but um, they, um, we were talking about the process of animation and Greg was showing uh, the model sheets um, for character consistency. And, the way they were talking, it made it uh, the, I, I was getting the impression like, well, maybe like the process is streamlined somehow. And 
I was curious to find out from them, and I really wish I'd recorded this, but the um, I wanted to know how in the digital era where everything's a little bit more streamlined, um, how often do characters get redesigned mid seasons or mid shows, uh, mid run um, to keep up with either changing, um, changing appearance or smoothed out appearance um, or adjusted voice performance? Because like on the Simpsons, Homer Simpson starts out sounding like Walter Matthau before he becomes the vocal presentation you know and love and consequently the designs change over time and so i was curious about that and they explained that that still happens and they were going through how it still happens and a lot of it ends up trending towards like what character ends up hitting accidentally and going through that process it was like if you wanted to be if you wanted to learn about animation it was like one of the best panels to be at and we had a pretty packed room for 707 which is a pretty small room we had a packed room and most of those guys, uh, most of the people left, but then some of the people stuck around and then we got even more in for um, a career in animation panel with just Adrian and Greg. And I didn't have to ask them much. Those two went on their own lovely lecture about how to be in this business. And the only things that I was able to contribute were primarily just reaffirming a lot of their stories they talked a lot about like not being afraid to fail and to take any job you can get and it was kind of like very affirming to hear that like the people who want a career in that particular area have plenty of opportunities to do it and they can still do it with ease um so it was like a very inspirational panel to hear and um and i got um a piece of art from adrian um a print of uh of mickey from fun and fancy free and i really like his mickey i showed you a picture of it ryan i really like his mickey it's it's very nice and it's it 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 seems it seemingly has some of the same attitude that mickey had in his earlier years like I, I just got the feel of an attitude about it it's not the same streamlined appearance that mickey has in the uh in fun and fancy free itself um and um and also both of them are jack benny geeks along with brian so we all talked more than enough jack benny over there and i brought on sunday when i came back i brought all my benny books and showed it showed them to him like a dork <laughs> so <laughs> um but it was really cool to connect with all those guys um and uh brian's panel on gi joe mindbender was awesome there was um uh, th- i wish there had been more people but we all watched a gi joe episode which i don't think i've ever seen one in full ever and it was a lot of fun <laughs> Um, and, uh, we did a Q and a afterwards and, um, we did a quiz and I pulled out some GI Joe trivia that I was able to pull up prior and, um, uh, only one person answered a question correctly. So I tried to ask an even simpler question. And then finally, when none of the other people in there could answer it, I said like, okay, well, we were talking about voice acting gigs earlier on in this, in this panel, let's see whose memory is the sharpest. What? show did brian work on prior to getting hired onto gi joe he brought it up in the panel earlier on dead silence dead silence and i said guys anybody and i was just like it's the pink panther guys (laughs) it's one of the pink panther specials we were trying to get the panther to talk (laughs) um and so finally to settle who would win this uh uh prized funko pop of mindbender um, I held a rock, paper, scissor contest on the floor of Comic-Con so or Fan Expo. So um, a, a lovely time had by all. And then uh, the only other big real event that happened was I got to run into you guys were hanging out with Ming. Um, one of the guys at his booth, Barry McClain Jr., 
is somebody I interviewed for the Punk Rock Horror Podcast uh, for his comic, Billy the Kid, which is a lovely looking comic. I've, I've got an issue that I bought from the horror festival. And um, getting to reconnect with him was fun. Getting to see people I hadn't seen in a while was fun. So I really missed that environment. And I'm glad we're back in it. Um, it I, I don't know. How, I mean, Ryan, did you feel that? Like, it just, it felt good to be back in that kind of sphere. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was way less stressful because... I really had no expectations going in and um, mm. Brad, how did you hold up? You really just sat at the booth the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty boring just sitting there, you know, like, yeah, I forgot the square reader on Friday, so I couldn't do any sales for our merch. And uh, yeah, like our, we didn't have the typical display, so it was less interesting to look at, but um, yeah, I had a lot of time to sit there and contemplate <laughs> the, uh, yeah our presence but yeah and uh, talk to a few fans which is good let people know we still exist and uh yeah and we talked to uh, project nerd i believe it was um one of those guys from when you guys met them at 2015 comic-con yeah and beyond the yeah. trope was next to us talk to them for a bit yeah and um cfva was there and sterling came by and said hi on friday and um Matt Willicks came by and gave me a nice print of Claude Rains as the Invisible Man. So that's always welcome in my, my world. <laughs> yeah, no, it was fun. You know, you see uh, all the people you recognize and, you know, I, I had people come up to me and say, oh, you guys aren't doing uh, interviews. Yeah, and I had that expl- yeah. But I had explained to them, I said, well, we didn't know two weeks ago we were even doing this because they had... Um, new criteria for media stuff. I didn't know um, what was going on. And I mean, even someone like Brian Cummings, who actually is like a voice guy, he also had the same experience with it where it's, they're trying to keep it the same, but it's basically a merging of two and they're working throughout the kinks. So hopefully in July we'll be there and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And yeah, we didn't, wait. we didn't even know, like there's a point where we didn't even know if we actually had a booth because there's a mix up in our numbers. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And then it was just, it would just be a little irresponsible this year of all years to, you know, get people, you know, exhaling on mics uh, yeah. for three yeah. days. So, you know, just imagine us <laughs> air spraying down each mic after each person, you know, at having people take off their masks just wasn't a good look. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully next year we should be good to go. And if you really want I... us, if you really want to be on the podcast, you know these are mostly Zoom chats anyway. So just email us and tell us you want to be on the show, and you can just come on any week. You don't have to wait till the con. Yeah. Yep. And um, I I met Bruce for the first time, by the way, at this con. Um, in the two years that I went with you guys prior, I'd never met Bruce before. Yeah, he, he came... filmed uh, mine and Brian's panel. Oh, nice. He came yeah. to Brian's Dr. Mindbender panel and um, he gave me the hard drive for the episode we were about to watch. And I just coordinated with him. And um, Ryan, this is how I know that you trained me well on how to do this because he had he was there on Friday and I didn't know who he was. Um, the only way that I realized who he was was when he came in sporting his Pokemon suit jacket, uh, which is really cool, by the way. And um, he said, hey, I watched you on Friday and I really liked what you did. Thank you guys again for coming down. And I was like, all right, Ryan taught me exactly what to do properly. Like, yeah, I, I, so I always I remember, did. it's about the fans. It's not about us. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I was like, it, it was like a big relief off my shoulders after two years of doing this in various capacities where I'm just like, oh, good, I didn't fuck up. <laughs> oh, no, they wouldn't invite us back if we fucked up. Yeah. Um, yep. Anyways, lots of fun. Uh, thanks, everybody, for coming out. We'll see you in July and we'll have our full booth with the redesigned color scheme. <laughs> well, same colors, different arrangement and yeah. an actually cool new just booth design in yeah. the work. So. And also we've added a new feature for the next con where you get to vote and decide if I stay on the show or not. So, um, Oh, we don't want to do that because we'll lose you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my joke was going to be like, so I'm going to be campaigning really hard and I'm going to sling mud at everybody. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were going to be like a caning. (laughs) (laughs) If you lose, we get to beat you with a cane. I, I like that heard. idea. I like that idea better because I can still be hanging out with you guys each week, but I'll just be very sore. Nineties Singapore style. Oh wow, nice. that's <laughs> that's harsh. And also, wow, way to pull that reference out. Hey, and with I'm, that, I'm almost forty. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what's happening in the world of entertainment in a segment we call Movie News. It's real news. Someday, Ryan, I want to merge real nerds and ballyhoo and have us do a news segment from 40s news. <laughs> um, we got a light year trailer. Um, in other news, there's a light year movie coming out. <laughs> um, yeah, it's um it's about the hero that inspired the real Buzz Lightyear, his actual adventures as a space ranger, and Chris Evans is playing uh Buzz Lightyear. So um I think it's a fun idea for a movie. Yeah, looks fun. Looks nice. I, I I don't. It's funny. Like I just I it's it's like any other Pixar trailer where I'm just kind of like, all right, I'll just wait until the movie comes out before I say anything else. So oh yeah, the trailer the trailers never do much for me. I don't know why, but um, we also yeah, got another trailer though. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, Pixar Pixar trailers are never that like cool. Yeah, no, they're well, they're the marketed awesome. towards children, so you know which is what they're supposed to do but um we got another trailer though the book of boba fett um uh i i it looks cool (laughs) yeah gangsters in star wars i'm down yeah and so is this the same guy or is this a new guy that's the dude who played him in clone wars i think i thought that's what i just wanted to double check i didn't double check prior but like it's if, if so i'm glad they brought him back but i also like the idea of gangsters in space so you know hey i'm down with that um we've got uh mandalorian vets favreau dave filoni robert rodriguez and bryce dallas hallard uh directing some episodes and ludwig Goranson will um be returning to compose music so keep an eye out for the book of boba fett coming to you december 29th of this year um uh we were talking about voice artists earlier uh mr frost we we got to work with one a working actor who gets um asked to do voice voices for characters all across the gamut um and one of the things that i wish hollywood would do is hire actual voice actors um but instead uh it's easier to just get a celebrity because chris pratt will be voicing yet another animated character he will be voicing garfield in a new animated garfield movie um now this isn't anti-chris pratt by any means but it was a reminder of just like 
can't we get like a voice actor to just do this and not <laughs> keep hiring a celebrity for this? Because well, in my mind, it's not Bill Murray. Mine's always the old Garfield Saturday morning cartoon mm-hmm. where he's yeah. always. Oh, guess I'll get some lasagna. Yeah, which is kind of like trending toward a Bill Murray impression anyway. I can't remember who did Garfield and Friends voice, the voice for Garfield and Friends. Um, Guess I'll have to look it up on Wikipedia. Lorenzo Music. (laughs) Lorenzo Music. Yeah, that's right. So, um, so yeah, like, but I mean, regardless, we're getting another animated Garfield movie and Chris Pratt will be the voice. Um, uh, it will be have it will have a script by David Reynolds, uh, the writer of Finding Nemo, um, and director of Chicken Little, Mark Dindal, will be helming the project. Um, and of course, the article that I pulled this up for had to remind me of the Bill Murray Garfield movie. Um, and for that, I will shut this story off and move over to something cooler. There is some other casting news. Christopher Nolan is uh, directing a World War II epic about the uh, creation of the atom bomb called Oppenheimer. Uh, Cillian Murphy and Emily Blunt have already been a chat uh, attached to it. And now we are getting uh, a certain Mr. Matt Damon who appeared in Interstellar. Um, and also Ryan, Robert Downey Jr. is coming to the Nolan verse. Hell yeah. They want to make mm. a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> Dang right. Motherfucker. Um, it, 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 I mean, it's, <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's listed as a drama. So I'm actually hoping it's a drama. Uh, and I hope it, there's no like weird twist where this is kind of like an alternate universe. <laughs> I just like a straightforward movie about J. J. Robert Oppenheimer, uh, and the Los Alamos project. So, um, everybody keep an eye out for Robert Downey Jr. in the Christopher Nolan movie. Uh, Dune Part 1 made a good splash at the box office, enough for Legendary to greenlight Dune Part 2. Um, and uh, the release date is two years away from now, set for October 2023. Um, and the, st- the sequel had been talked about in broad strokes. It was not confirmed that they would get a sequel, but now everything is a go for it. It is in early development as it stands. So uh, congratulations to all you to all you Dune fans. You're going to get yourself a Part 2 and hopefully a Part 3, according to um, uh, Villain Away Base Plans. Um, so, Ryan, here's a story for you. What would it, what would you say if I told you that Peacock lost five hundred twenty million dollars? It wouldn't surprise me because I have it and I've never watched it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it comes um, with like my Comcast subscription. Yeah, no. So, um, it's a staggering number loss. Um, Jeff Shell from NBC Universal C- uh, said that everything on Peacock is heading in the right direction. And there's really nothing from a trajectory perspective that is any different from what it was last corner quarter. All metrics are pointed up. Our usage continues to be great. Our mix of users. Um, so this was first reported by the Hollywood reporter and this knowing that this happens amidst them trying out experiments like Halloween kills and whatnot. Halloween kills made a lot of money at the box office during pandemic time. And quite frankly, it's opening as big even by pre-pandemic time for an R-rated horror movie. Um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess I wonder at a certain point um, how having individualized streaming services like these is even going to be a benefit anymore at that point. But they're just going to cannibalize also, every each other. Yeah, and but at the same time, I also don't want like there to be like only three big 
markets like Netflix, Amazon Prime carrying all the content because then that becomes problematic too. So um, it's why I'm still going to buy Blu-rays, guys. Um, and HBO Max isn't doing amazing either, but I mean, they're they're not... They have a revenue of eight point four billion, and Comcast is losing like half a billion. So, um, I mean, here's hoping that they find a way to boost their stuff back up. But I don't know. Um, and uh, that's all I have for news today, guys. Unless anybody has anything else that uh, they want to report. Nope. And I'm sorry. Movies are coming out. (laughs) Movies are coming out on Blu-ray. Here they are. DVD releases and Blu-rays. 4K. Why did it have to be 4K? Uh, you can get Indiana Jones, the four movie collection in 4K. Uh, again. The What? Again. Again, yes. It's being reissued. So if you didn't get it before, now is your chance. I think um, the steel books are no longer Best Buy exclusive is what I saw. Mm, gotcha. So now you can get it whatever you want. Um Turning over to recent releases, Sony Pictures is putting out The Guns of Navarone from 1961 with Gregory Peck, David Niven, and Anthony Quinn. Um, So you can pick that up in 4K if you should uh, like to see that. Um, If you are part of the Disney Movie Club, you can get Melody Time and Make My Music on Blu-ray for the first time. Two uh, music package features, um, both in the vein of trying to carry on the Fantasia experiment, only with... Um, in the case of, um, I think melody time is more jazz oriented, if I'm remembering correctly and make my music is all over the place. Um, or am I mixing the two up, Ryan? Uh, they're fun. <laughs> they're f- well, they're fun. But I mean, like one, one is trended more towards the other. I know, I mean, yeah. I, I know melody time is the one that has Johnny Appleseed and has Dennis day, uh, playing Johnny Appleseed, which is why I remember it so lovingly. Paramount classics is putting out the chic from 1921 with Rudolph Valentino. Ryan, this is the movie that made Rudolph Valentino. The, the, the he died, lover. I think, like two or three years after that. Yes, he did. But let me let me describe the plot for people who don't know about this silent epic. Um, by the way, it's directed by George Melford, who directed the Spanish version of Dracula in 1931. Uh, forbidden desires and the dangers of a foreign land as Lady Diana is pursued and captured by the dashing Sheikh Ahmed carried off and imprisoned in a luxurious desert hideaway palace days go by and lady diana is broken down by her own inner cravings only when she is set free and torn away from sheik ahmed that by sadistic desert bandits does she realize her true love was a man she once feared most oh my god brian now that i read this side by side by thinking about it it sounds like that 365 days movie everybody was bitching about on netflix (laughs) i've seen that one it's garbage yeah, um, you know what may not be garbage. Not the Sheik, though, rewatching the Sheik. one. <laughs> yeah, you, you know you might you might you might like the Sheik better. It's only sixty six minutes and um, has Hollywood. <laughs> I read a review of it on uh, Blu-ray.com. They said it was pretty good. Yeah, no, it's a good movie. Um, it's not my favorite silent movie by any stretch, but it's definitely got importance in the realm of how it built up Rudolph Valentino's legend. Um, the report that I had last week of Randolph Scott collection coming out that week is not true. It's actually coming out this week from Mill Creek Entertainment. So I guess they just moved it around. But you can get 12 Randolph Scott Westerns, guys. It's You can't go wrong there. Um, you can get the El Mariachi Trilogy, uh, which contains El Mariachi, Desperado, and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. 
Um, pick those all up on Blu-ray for a rocking good time with a guitar case that can turn into a gun. Uh, the complete series of Sex and the City uh, can be yours on Blu-ray as a new release. Six seasons and two movies, guys. You can get all your Sex and the City in one glorious box. You can also get the complete MacGyver um, uh, featuring the from 1985 to 1994. Seven seasons, guys. Can't go wrong there. Spider-Woman Strikes Back featuring Gail Sundegard. This is a not quite official, not really sequel to um, uh, the, the Spider-Woman, the Sherlock Holmes uh, mystery with Gail Sundegard uh, that this is coming to you from Kino Lorber. Uh, you can also get from Kino Lorber the Mad Doctor with Basil Rathbone, Ellen Drew, and John Howard. Um, and this is a good one. This is an interesting one from Kino Lorber. You can get the mystery of Edwin Drood from 1935 with Mr. Claude Rains. Uh, this is a film that was attempting to be the definitive answer to what actually happened at the end of the mystery of Edwin Drood, which was Charles Dickens's famous last unfinished work before his passing. Uh, you can also get the secret of the blue room from 1933 coming to you from Kino Lorber with Lionel Atwell, Gloria Stewart, Paul Lucas, Edward Arnold, and Onslow Stevens. Um, scream is coming to you on Blu-ray. I feel like that happened last week and they're just copying it over. <laughs> um, I don't know. I got mine today. So, okay. I don't so know. It was- I, I knew, I know they came out a couple weeks ago, but there's been some like everything else issue getting them to stores. Gotcha. Okay. Well, now it is now it is official. You can't deny it. You can now get Scream on Blu-ray again and on 4K. Um, and last but not least, guys, Brad, you know what you're going to be picking up because I'm going to be picking it up too. 2021's Pig with Nicolas Cage. Uh, yeah, I Rain. think so. Yeah, <laughs> what, are you going to get it? I, I would imagine you'd want to get it. <laughs> Well, it's one of the, it's not it's not a special package or anything, so I kind of feel like I don't have to get it on release day, but yeah, I'm gonna get it and support them. But anyway, I mean, that's... I might eventually. Uh, Black Friday's coming up. Maybe it'll be on sale. I don't know. Ooh, that is true. Maybe I should wait. We got to talk about a Black Friday video, by the way, Brad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's new or Blu-rays. Watching movies and shit is what we do. Literal shit. In the segment I call What You've Been Watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, what'd you watch this week? Uh, a couple of new things, actually. Uh, like I said last week, I'm not going to go uh, into detail on every last, chronicling every last little thing I did anymore. Uh, but I did go check out a movie called The Le- Electrical Life of Lewis Wayne, which uh, if you don't know who Lewis or like, I think it was actually Louis Wayne. Oh, it's been like a week. Um, he's mostly famous for these very whimsical cat paintings from the early 1900s um, in England. Uh, but the movie goes into everything you don't know about him and uh, co-stars Claire Foy, who is a governess who eventually becomes his wife. And sadly, shortly after they marry, she comes out with breast cancer and dies. And it spirals him into a long, long depression, um, which encourages him, helps him, you know, create his art in a perverse way. Um, But the weird part is uh, it's the electrical life. Part of the title uh, refers to a philosophy he has about uh, electrical current that kind of runs through 
uh, humanity and uh, all life. And uh, they really touch very little on that concept uh, for him in the movie, uh, which I felt like probably benefited more uh, about a good first half of the movie feels like a silly romantic comedy. And then after the death, uh, it just come, becomes a, a spiraling depression, uh, unfocused, uh, may, maybe on purpose creatively, given what's going on. And um, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if it's one of my favorite things of the year, but uh, it, it's definitely uh, well put together. Uh, Louis Wayne is played by ben- Benedict Cumberbatch. I forgot to lead with that. Um, but uh yeah, and then uh, I also watched the 2021 Cat Film Festival, which is uh, a kind of a virtual film festival where like a lot of um, like homemade YouTube cat movies are played, um, it, like in a collected show uh, from uh, actually New York. It's very specific, and uh, they were okay this year. Um, nothing really interesting that stuck with me i was a little disappointed nothing terribly creative uh, a couple animated ones which were fun but uh that inspired me to run down the street and go see dune <laughs> uh, in 4dx 3d and so i checked that out and it's a uh gorgeous film uh really epic um like every frame is a painting type thing and i've never experienced anything dune related before did not know anything about the story and uh, that left me very unsatisfied at the end when it's basically half a movie, <laughs> despite being <laughs> almost three hours. So I'm looking forward to finding out in part two how this all shakes out. But uh, yeah, interesting start. Um, the 3D didn't play much into it. I, I didn't really notice anything that was like, wow, I'm glad this was 3D. Probably like a post conversion job. I know they filmed it for IMAX, but I would highly doubt they filmed for 3D. Yeah, I mean it. It looked at 3D the whole time, but like nothing was like, "Wow, I'm glad they did this in 3D." Uh, I forget what else I watched recently that was like, "Okay, that made sense," or what like added to it. And I forget what it was. It was really recent, but yeah, like I said, it's a beautiful looking movie. Um, it, like the first third of it is spent kind of explaining what the world is. Very, very expositional. The second one develops the problem, and the third is really like a meandering. Let's just watch these people escape the problem and end it before <laughs> uh, <laughs> before the the part two. So, um, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's all I watched this week. Zach, all right. Um, well, I wrapped up my horror marathon uh which capped out at 42 so i topped last year for myself um yeah i guess i forgot to say at the beginning of the show uh ryan and i tied for the challenge that wasn't really a challenge at all yeah (laughs) thanks for thanks for not telling me that this was all a a a big stunt guys because i took this seriously and committed to it no (laughs) we were pretty clear (laughs) for weeks that we were i think we even said that we were fake fighting with each other (laughs) <laughs> well, fake fighting, but I thought you guys were actually trying to see who could who could top the list. So, but, to what end? Like, what would that accomplish? Um, bragging rights. Yeah, 
I, I guess, um, hey, Ryan, guess what? Because I watched 42 horror movies in 31 days. I'm a bigger fan of horror than you are. Um, you bastard. <laughs> Ryan watched 37, though, which is a funnier number. It is true. 42, <laughs> though, is the answer to everything, according to Hitchhikers. So I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, um, I rewatched Freaks. Um, wonderful pre-code movie full of controversy. Watch at your own risk. Um, I rewatched Dead of Night, um, which Ryan, the more and more I watch that, the more I want you to watch it so that we could talk about it, um, even if it's not on mic, because I really like that movie and I really, really think you'll have fun with it. It's it's an anthology, so not every story will hit you exactly the way um, it might have hit me. But I think we could both agree on what the the cream of the crop entry is in the (laughs) anthology, because there's one story in particular that's just diabolical. Um, and then I, uh, decided to, uh, watch something different for one of my horror selections and my friend Shaden, um, who is, um, uh, part of my film club. Um, she did some singing for a movie that her sister directed. So I decided to check it out and bingo hell was fun. Um, it's part of Blumhouse's television thing. Uh, and, uh, it's about a community that is kind of getting gentrified. Um, and it's led by, um adriana barzara uh, plays the lead and she plays lupita and she's kind of like she's somebody who helped clean up the neighborhood years ago and she kind of holds a like a, a a power over the entire neighborhood but her power is being thrust away because the bingo hall where they hold their normal bingo games has been taken over by a rich mysterious stranger played by richard brake um he plays mr big and he uh holds a bingo night where you can win untold sons of money but it takes something takes something from you in return. Um, and uh, I don't want to spoil it because I think people might have fun with this. Um, it's got a, there's a part of me that will always love geezer exploitation. <laughs> um, and a lot of this movie has to do with older people, like looking back on their lives and regretting certain decisions. <laughs> and so I was like, oh man, this is right up my alley. Um, and uh, Bingo Hell has that in stride, but it also has a lot of kick-ass action, a lot of neon glow. There's some genuinely shocking moments in it, um, particularly near the last uh, third of the movie. Um, so it's really well put together. I liked the attitude and the style of it. So um, it's on Prime for free. You should check it out. It's I I I think you'll have fun with it. I want to check out more of Blumhouse television stuff now. Um, they're welcome to Blumhouse thing because uh, I'd like to see what other filmmakers are putting out with this. Um, and I've watched for the first time The Uninvited um, from Criterion. Um, Ryan, you um, you and my pal Kev were pointing me towards this movie. And I'm so frustrated I hadn't seen it until this we- this year. This movie's great. Um, Ray Milland and his sister um, discover a, a big old abandoned house and they decide to buy it uh, for rather cheap. Um, and they certainly soon discover that it's being haunted by two different forces who are at odds with the daughter of the person that sold it to them. Um, and it's got a really great atmosphere to it. Um, mm-hmm. It certainly helps that Ray Milland is so damn lovable in this movie that like, I care about every single person in that room and especially him. And I don't want to spoil it, but Ryan, if you remember the ending of that movie correctly, He's kind of like an unofficial first Ghostbuster. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so it's kind of neat, um, but it's expertly directed. There's a sequel kind of thing, apparently, The Unseen or something like that, Ryan, that I need yeah. to check out. 
because um that sounds awesome so uh, but if you haven't seen the uninvited, this is actually a cheap criterion. You can get this for $29.99. And because the Barnes and Noble sale is going on now until the 29th, you can get it for 15 bucks on Blu-ray and it looks gorgeous. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then um, did a Carpenter triple attack for the last couple of days um, with the thing and the fog and John Carpenter's Halloween, of course, on Halloween um and the fog's still good it's um obviously it's the best movie of 1980 not even a question um and then uh the thing rewatching it i've actually unintentionally throughout the month i went through every iteration of the thing um in film form um and watching how different directors handle the material was very very interesting carpenter obviously does it the best but um uh, it it was cool to get a different interpretation of that story from three different perspectives um one from a howard hawks and christian nyby that's obviously way off course <laughs> and then uh the thing uh reboot prequel uh which is sticking closer to carpenter's vision and to the material but goes in its own direction when it needs to um and then a last minute decision on halloween night itself was to go to an 11 o'clock screening of halloween kills um and ryan that movie bumped up a star for me um and not only is it making my film explosion list, it's going to go up there pretty high. Um, I loved it the first time I saw it, but this second screening really, really convinced me uh, of how wonderful this film is and what it's pulling off as yeah. such a high wire act. Um, it, it's it, everything about it was just working for me on all cylinders. Um, I'm glad I took a little bit of time away from it before I went back. Um, and uh it made me appreciate every side character that had connection to the first film and what their journey has been. Um, and the whole idea of Lonnie Elam finally realizing like, no, I'm not going to put my son in danger um, before he goes into Michael's house was like this small little moment of brilliance that I just really, really fucking enjoyed. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen Halloween kills, um, be like everybody else and go see it in the movie theater. It's fucking dope. Um, and, uh, that's all I watched. Oh, last thing I did was I re-listened to the war of the world broadcast, um, as I do every October 30th. And, uh, that, that program has never lost its ability to get its hooks in me. Um, it's, it, there's something about listening to that show, knowing how old it is and knowing what the stories are behind it. There's something about getting lost in it. And the older I get, the more I appreciate the back half of the show where it's not um, a fake news report, where it's actually a, a narrative structured storytelling device going on. Um, Cause it's kind of the equivalent of in the 2005 movie where um, Tom Cruise is talking to Tim Robbins in, in the barn. Um, but it's done from a more philosophical point of view and less uh, story plot driven motivation. Um, so yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Um, and that's all I watched this week guys. Yeah. I, um, me personally, I just finished up my, uh, Halloween thing. I don't think I mentioned, um, injustice a couple weeks ago. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah, I like mortal Kombat more. <laughs> the, uh, so I was going to say a couple things about my um, Ryan Spectacular 21. 
my wife loves Rob Zombie's Halloween like a lot. And I own two versions of it. I have um, the Scream Factory uh, deluxe set that has it in it. That's the unrated cut. And I have, it's like not Mill Creek, but it's some Canadian version of Mill Creek. It's like some low end Alliance pictures or something. Yeah. Yeah. Alliance. And so it has Rob Zombie's as a double feature, but they're the theatrical cuts that are actually kind of hard to find. Oh, and can I I borrow that Ryan? Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I come home and my wife's watching. I was like, Oh, you're watching the theatrical cut of Halloween because I haven't seen it in a really long time. And she said, yeah, I bought it on Amazon Prime. I'm like, what? So my wife bought a digital movie that I own two copies of. And she said, I can't find it. And I said, there's literally on, we have a, it's not a coffee table, but it's an end table next to her Papazon chair that the whole Halloween like box set is sitting on because I've been watching them this month. Freaking wives, man. Freaking wives. Hey, uh, Laura, this is Rob Zombie. Thank you for putting two extra dollars in my pocket and buying <laughs> yeah. me a coffee at Starbucks today. <laughs> um, so here's, uh, here's some random facts about Ryan Spectacular 21. Movies, 37. In a Total row? Minutes. <laughs> hey, try not uh, to watch any movies on the way out to the parking lot. <laughs> Uh, total minutes were 3,584, which translates to 59 hours. Uh, days in October, I missed watching a horror film was zero. Mm. And this is a weird random fact about my list is seven of the movies had the same runtime of 91 minutes. <laughs> That's eerie. <laughs> I know it's weird, right? <laughs> well, you were doing the random generator, right? <laughs> I was. I think, the, so, I think the random generator knew you were trying to squeeze things in in a busy yeah, month. Maybe. It's like, this guy needs to watch <laughs> movies fast. Um, but yeah, it was really bizarre that 91 minutes was the most, uh, I guess, I don't even know the right word. The, I guess the, the most, most frequent, the most frequent yeah, runtime for a horror yeah, movie. Yeah, it was weird yeah. because, I mean, I saw things like Dawn of the Dead, which is two hours, and so is... Uh, Interview with the vampire is like two hours and ten minutes, but yeah, ninety-one minutes. We are well, an hour and a half is the optimum screen time that movie producers go for, right? Yeah, they can unless they're doing like a mega event, like a like a Marvel or a Disney. But yeah, no, I get that, but I mean, I had a lot that were like eighty-six minutes, eighty-eight minutes, not very many that were exactly the same time though. So I just thought it was kind of weird. So I have a question: Did every one of us? Um, uh, go the entire month with um, where every day we saw at least one movie. No, I have a life. <laughs> I mean, some days I watch three. You know. Okay, so you didn't do at minimum one a day. I didn't think that was a condition of the contest. Oh, okay. I thought it was. I, Ryan, I thought, you... uh, actually, I thought Brad that was one of your things for the contest. One a day. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Like by the twentieth, I backed off because I was like, "I'm going to destroy Ryan if I keep going at this pace." You son of a bitch! So just remember that I held your fate in my hands. So wait, and I chose but, mercy. But but in choosing mercy, Brad, you disqualified yourself. So Ryan, you and I followed the rules. So if this were a saw game, we'd get out. 
Yeah, we're going to play a game. <laughs> Congratulations on winning your non-game that had no rules. <laughs> Sweet. No you defined what, rules. Ryan, of Ryan, all the rules that didn't matter, mine mattered the most. You know what, Ryan? I'm going to give you my 42 watches <laughs> to your total. So 42 plus 37 equals more than Brad. Yes. <laughs> Sucker. So now Ryan's the biggest horror fan again. Congratulations, buddy. I'm proud of you. Finally. Oh, darn. I lost that title. I'm so bummed. <laughs> what a loss in my life. I was not crowned horror king. How, how will you, I ever go you? on? Yeah, yeah you <laughs> bitch ass motherfucker. <laughs> 20 years. And I've always I've desired to best Ryan in horror watching and and take his crown and oh I, I blew it. What a shame for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm if so only, much better. If only people would identify me for my love of horror. <laughs> Something I've long desired. This contest um, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who anyone don't don't be upset because I tied you. Okay, we get it. (laughs) It, It's it's okay, Brad. I know you're not as cool as me. It's fine. I would be embarrassed to fight for this title. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. No, Brian. I I was I was happy to fight for this title. I was like, oh, I I've got a I've got a secret formula here because I watch a lot of Golden Age movies and they're like sixty minutes. So. If it was a contest between just Ryan and anyone else, I would be depressed that Ryan didn't win. <laughs> That's how much I believe in him being d- defined uh, for loving horror is to me. Okay. Oh, fair enough. Nice. nice. Uh, this week on Real Nerds Podcast, I uh, guess we can be real again. Um, <laughs> we saw Last Night in Soho. Brad, do you recommend Last Night in Soho? Uh, yeah, I guess I actually saw it twice. Uh, the first time, you know, like Baby Driver, there's just something that I didn't connect with in the movie. So, like visually, it's really impressive, but story-wise, I just didn't quite gel with it. Um, I don't think it's terribly inventive. It, it's definitely uh, like a, a nostalgia trip. Um, and I read something, or someone told me something that sort of turned me around. Um, in the effect that it's like I was kind of, kind of wondering like why, why this movie? Like why is it special? And someone pointed out that it's kind of about how dangerous nostalgia is, mm-hmm. uh, more than just like a like a, a horror movie. And uh, that helped me like it more, but not a whole lot. So I definitely appreciate that angle of it. So I, I would I would recommend it if you want to see. Um, like a like a modern older movie because it it, it definitely relies on uh, being a bit derivative and you've seen a lot of stuff you may have seen in horror movies before uh, slightly fresher. Zach, this is one of my favorite movies of the year, and for a lot of the reasons that Brad mentioned, because yeah, as this movie unfolded, I was like, Oh yeah, it's about how nostalgia is not this, not that wonderful when you get down to the nitty gritty of it. Cause anytime you, you long to go to a different time in, in history, you, you suddenly realize how much of it is stemmed with the same problems we deal with today, but also just there's, there's even more seedier things going on underneath the surface. 
Um, I, I loved the film. I love the vibe of everything uh, going on in it from the visuals on down to the performances. Um, I, I really liked watching Edgar Wright going into this straight horror mode um, and really kind of putting a lot of lessons that he learned in the comedic efforts into this more straightforward narrative that has humorous moments, but more often than not, this film gets dark and it's not afraid to. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend this movie. It was fantastic. Yeah. I love this movie. Uh, the whole time I was watching it, um, I was saying, man, this movie just is really cool. Uh, I love the soundtrack. I love the way it's shot. Um, and while, uh, there are some twists in it. I was never too surprised by them, but I did like, um, I did like it. Mm-hmm. And, um, Tomlinson, uh, McKenzie is great. Uh, you know, she's, she stole my heart in Jojo Rabbit. And in this, she's equally amazing. Uh, here is the trailer for Last Night in Soho. What brings you down then? I'm studying London College of Fashion. Right. Room is on the top floor. It's perfect. I love it. If I something in my dreams. There was a girl. And you are? Sandy. I got this kind of gift. I can see people, places, things others can't. This is the closest most people ever get to their dreams. They're not just dreams. Jack, I don't want to do this. You think you can just walk away? They really happened. What did you see? Leaving ghosts. I want to report a murder. You witnessed the murder last night, but you believe this was a vision from the past. The guy that killed her is still out there. I have to stop him. Where are you going? I know what you did. I've done a lot of things. You're gonna have to be more specific, love. You can't save me. Last night in Soho, uh, a young woman named Eloise is going to London to be a fashion designer at a art school. And uh, we learned that she's raised by her grandmother because her mother suffered from mental health issues and ended up 
committing suicide. And the grandmother's worried that uh, when Ellie gets to London, she might suffer the same stuff. Uh, while she's there, she does suffer from being haunted by the ghost of a young woman named Sandy and um, is Sandy a victim? Possibly as the world around her starts un- unraveling and what is real and what is not real is constantly at the forefront of this film. Yeah. It's um, Ryan, I'd love to hear like all the different things you enjoyed about it. Cause I'll go on a spiel. <laughs> uh, I, I just love, I thought it was a really tight movie. Um, I, 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 like I said, I really loved the performances in it. Um, you know, Anya Taylor joy was great. Um, so was, uh, Matt Smith as kind of a slime ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see, um, Sandy kind of, uh, get lost in what she thought was going to be a great career as a singer. And when Eloise goes and sees her perform for the first time at the Rialto and realize it's kind of a, not like a strip show, but what, what are those kind of uh, women back in the day where they, ah, the naughty flapper girl, ah, hot, she's voting. Like a review or something. <laughs> yeah, like a review. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, it's not all it's cracked up to be, and um, it it just looked really cool. Um, I mean, I, although I think Edgar Wright was a little more restrained in his visual flair in this one, there's still like really cool moments in it. When Sandy is quote unquote being murdered, I think the cuts between um Eloise's horror face and the reflection of her being scared in the knife as it's being stabbed i think is incredible um the twist at the end uh spoilers uh where you find out that Sandy actually never died she's the one who did the killing and there's little hints throughout the film uh that she's stuffed these corpses in her house um, she mentions the smell to Eloise when she moves in. Uh, in the summer, it gets bad, but she says it's because of the French bistro, but we learn it's because there's corpses in her house. And uh, the part where Sandy is walking up the stairs and it's kind of a uh, glass mirror, and each step she takes, it's breaking the mirror, so it's breaking um, the image that Eloise had of this woman. And I just thought that was really cool. And I, I don't know, I really enjoyed the movie and I thought the soundtrack was incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, um, there are two things that blew me away on this film in particular. Um, one was, um, I, I don't know why I've never noticed this before, but I'm glad I noticed it now. Edgar Wright loves giving old people physically challenging things to do in movies. <laughs> um, Are you talking uh, about the drop kick that that one old lady got from uh, mm-hmm. Sean Pegg and 
Yep. Well, or that or Timothy Dalton getting a, a tower speared through his lower jaw. <laughs> um, there's like, because Diana Rigg gets to do some some nifty stuff in this film because we're in spoiler territory now. Diana, the late Diana Rigg um, plays older Sandy, but she's parading throughout most of the film as the um, uh, the uh, landlady uh, to the place that um, uh, Ella, Ellie has resigned herself to live at because the roommates that she has are fucking terrible. Um, and uh, watching the reveal for Diana Rigg, which I called it, but I kind of didn't care that I called twists in this movie because I was enjoying watching it unfold and how the mystery would get solved. And watching her reveal was just wonderful. And, you know, I'm not like a Diana Rigg, like fan, like by any stretch of the imagination in terms of like knowing all her work, but you could tell why people loved her to death and were mourning her when she died. She's amazing in this movie. Um, And watching her by the very end, it was absolutely fantastic for that climax. And it's just, it has all the high energy I would want out of that ending. Um, and watching Edgar break down nostalgia was, I, I, it was very, it was very, very wonderful to watch. Um, as as somebody who dives deep into nostalgia of like an, a very a very far time ago, I appreciate that he points out that it's not this idyllic dream, um, and that it it it, it carries with it a lot of baggage and. I thought that was very intelligent of him to put that in the form of this kind of movie that the the nostalgia that he points to is this idea of like the sixties and how popular that idyllic image is of that particular place in that particular time period. Um, and I'd have to imagine it hits harder for people who live in the UK than even in the U S um, and seeing that, that kind of thing unfold. Um, I also really liked watching him just play around with visual cues and taking stuff that he's done in films before with his snappy editing style and kind of like using it in sparing restraint. Um, This film didn't feel like the same kind of energy that his other films have. This one felt like it was allowed to breathe a little bit more, um, which I really, really appreciated. Um, And I, I, you know, I, I, I'm glad that, I'm I'm very glad that there's like this film out there that carries with it all that pastiche of nostalgia while carrying that kind of theme running through it of the dangers of that pastiche. So I, I think it's, it's not my favorite of his films. That'll still be the world's end um, conceivably for all time. But this film came really, really close to, to knocking that out and even baby driver off. So um, I, I really, I really appreciated it. And I don't know how much it made at the box office this week, but I hope to God it made a shit ton of money because <laughs> I want to see this thing succeed. Brad, you weren't quite as enamored with it. Um, tell us about it. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, uh, Edgar Wright has kind of made a career out of honoring like nostalgia. Um, so this being a rebuke of that is, is, kind of fascinating but um yeah i kind of look at it i I just i don't really see i don't really recognize his fingerprints on it i'm trying to like 
I, I wrote this in my letterbox review. You know, I, I want to give a filmmaker space to grow and do different things while also just feeling like I really miss his comedic dynamic, uh, really dense filmmaking of the past. Um, so like when I watch this, I just feel like I'm watching a lot of other people's horror movies um, recreated rather than seeing his own stamp on it. So I think that's, and, and again, like this is still a better film than most of what's in theaters, but just like if, from like an intense critical perspective, I'm just like, I don't like, I feel like someone else could have also made this movie. So, and, and like the, um, you know, the, the undead at the end or like the ghosts, you know, just the smeared face thing. It wasn't like all that special, like, or interesting, you know, it felt pretty like horror conventional um yeah i read that as um that it's because they didn't matter mm -hmm. and what they did was they didn't have the um the right to be more defined and because they're just monsters and as people but i get it too yeah i just wish there's like a more visually interesting way to convey that that's not so you know if, if they're ghosts, do they have to look human at all? You know, is there a, like a more, uh, a better way to express that? Maybe, maybe it's a little more abstract. Um, and also too, like, I felt like it would have been a little more interesting to tie what Ellie's going through back to her, I guess, quest for like a fashion career. So I feel like it was more of a backdrop than a like tie, tie it to her psyche more, like the pressure to yeah achieve. I don't know. I, I feel like th there's some missed opportunities uh, in the script, you know, uh, story wise that could have like made it a little more dense. Uh, but like I said, it's, it's still like everything else about it's very specific and meticulous and well crafted more than most other movies you'll you'll see. But um. You know, and, and maybe in time I'll realize I'm being too critical of it and just be like, yes, yeah, it's fine. There's yeah. more to see here. And, and also like the first time around, you know, there's a lot to take in all at once. And even just my position in the theater, like the first time I saw it, I was sitting in the back section when like 90% of the movies I watched were in the front section. And mm -hmm. I felt a detachment just from the space from the screen. Sure. To where I was like, felt less connected so when i watched it the second time and got into the front section i was like okay I'm, like i'm seeing more of the the stuff i missed in the background and like now that i know how it's going to end i see you know, the foreshadowing that's happening here so um and also like horror isn't my like i'm not well versed in 70s 60s and 70s horror so like where i see a lot of nods to um suspiria and whatnot which i saw recently you know i'm sure there's a ton of other things that i'm missing so there's, there's British horror snack dab in the middle there. There's um, uh, Polanski stuff in there. Um, I think yeah. that, um, you know, like I, I was going to point out that there's a, there's a, there's an Edgar Wright moment in there that reminded me of his usual energy. And it's when Terrence stamp gets run over. Um, some, something unex something seemingly unexpected happening like like in the form of a death or a collision like that seems to be something that he'll carry through pretty 
frequently. Like somebody unexpected is going to kick the bucket. Um, my my uh, uh, nod to him. I was just that. Oh, it's another movie that has a British pub in it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to the Winchester. Yeah. Um, um, the zoom ins on the glasses weren't as uh, intense this time, though. <laughs> no. Like I said, it's like it's a lot of his editing tricks are there, but they get they get slowed down and they're allowed to be a little bit more. They're breathing more. Um, and, you know, I. I feel like there's a part of me that falls in line with Brad where I'm like, yeah, I definitely want to see another comedy out of him at a certain point, but I am kind of enjoying this new Edgar Wright where he's not uh, explicitly beholden to the things that made him a, uh, to, that made him a hot director. Like he is getting to stretch those legs. So I'm definitely on board for it. Um, but that being said, the, the Edgar that I will always adore and cherish is the one that came, came up with something like the world's end. So yeah, I'm cool with it. I, I mean, like I said, I really love this movie, but I also think it's cool that he's doing something else. Yeah, because this is more straightforward horror. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. Next week, we are seeing Eternals. Hmm. Chloe Zhao. Yeah. Yeah. Should That's fun, the most divisive horror uh, Marvel film yet why why ryan what what the fanboys do now no not the fan uh critically it's the only one that's rotten and it's like right at 60 percent. so it's like the critics don't know what to make of it i'm interested um we'll see <laughs> what's the thing with rotten tomatoes lately is that if the critics hate it the fans love it and the fans love it the critics hate it yeah uh so. well they don't have you know because after uh what movie was where they don't allow uh, audience scores anymore unless you can verify you went to the movie captain marvel so um because people just you know review bomb stuff yeah um so right now i don't know i mean i still want to see it looks interesting um and, you know, two hours and 37 minutes yikes <laughs> And the uh, and the countdown for Spider-Man: Far From Home is happening, so I'm hoping that there's going to be a new trailer soon. <laughs> this is this is the length of an Avengers movie, guys. This is nuts. That's all right. Just okay. tell me a good story. That's all I care about. Oh, I, I I agree. No no question about that. I just is there another solo movie that has been this long? I don't know. Well, I, I mean, so. Eternals is a team movie, so maybe that's why. Oh, uh, I gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week. Mm -hmm. See you at the movies. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Brad. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.